And we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner, presented by Century Arms. This is Season 2, Episode 6. We are halfway through our 12-part journey of Season 2, and it has been another doozy season. And that's uh, greatly in part two, uh, obviously, Century Arms for sponsoring the Talking Lead AK Corner Season 2. We don't have anybody from Century Arms joining us this week. You could probably take 20 guesses as to why. The coronavirus is scaring everybody. And uh, I think there's a lot of panic buyers, and they are knee-deep in fulfilling orders. Uh, I think I heard that they're selling everything that's not nailed down to the floor. So uh, that's good for them. Uh, bad for us this episode. We're not going to be able to get any updates, but we will have them on again soon. We'll get Adam and the gang on. But, I mean, this guy is a, he's a warrior. He's a champion. He doesn't let the coronavirus scare him. It is our supporting sponsor, Brian Keeney with Occam Defense, ladies and gentlemen. Brian, welcome in. Hey, happy to be on again. We're glad you could Thank make you. it, man. So apparently uh, Idaho's not getting hit with the, uh, the coronavirus scare. You guys are just uh, braving the weather. You know, not going to say we're tougher, hardier people. You know, not going to say that. Not going to say it. It's just, it's just implied. <laughs> it's just implied. <laughs> well, we're glad that uh, that you didn't uh, scare off so easily from this virus. This, you know, I think it's just a made up scare. I mean, I, I, there's probably something to it, but uh, I think. You know, we should have had our good buddy Jay on here with the League of Pirates to to really get to the heart of the matter of this coronavirus. And maybe we'll do another show uh, on that specifically. Probably a good idea. I think that's a real good idea. Yeah, he would. He tried to make it today, but he's uh, yeah, he is booked up solid. So, uh, but he's got some good data on it. His channel, the League of Pirates, on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, the interwebs is really good for that civilian sourced intelligence that I don't know how he conjures up, but he does, and he's he's got the good dope. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to get the latest on the this virus stuff, go there. I'm sure he's probably got some good little uh, nuggets of information for you lead heads. So uh, it's just going to be Brian and I today. We ha- we had a list of other people that were going to be joining us, and uh, one by one, uh, due to whatever reason, which we, we think it's got a lot to do with this coronavirus, uh, is we- whittled down to me and Brian. But we'll make it up to you in the next couple episodes, but we've got all the brains that we need right here to answer all your questions that we've uh, submitted on social media uh, that we ask you lead heads to post. And we're going to go through those one by one, and we're going to answer them. And then, as promised, we picked one of you lucky leadheads to deliver your question live with us. And he is joining us right now. We're going to introduce him in just a few minutes. He's, he's anxious to talk, I can tell. <laughs> he's ready to jump on board. Uh, but if you didn't get a chance, make sure you go back to episode five. That was our special SHOT Show edition um, of the AK Corner. And it was it was a really good opportunity for us to get some of the leading industry AK uh, manufacturers and uh, personalities together and just get a pulse of the AK market here in uh, the United States and, you know, I guess abroad as well, and uh, just kind of get a feel of where the AK-47 is headed. And, uh, Brian, as we determined, everything's still looking bright for the AK-47. Oh, heck yeah. You know, um, American manufacturing of it has really taken off. And, um, 
it it has a lot of lot of great aspects to it that, that we're trying to uh, bring even more forward into the 21st century here, as a bunch of other folks are. All right, and leave it leave it to us Americans to uh, westernize the AK-47, and you know we're coming out with all these different variants now with the the uh, pistols and the nine mils and uh, all kinds of neat variations that are that we're throwing on to the AK-47 and uh, making it more fun, more usable, and um, Occam Defense is doing a, a big part in that as well. Uh, Jim Fuller joined us that last episode. And Jim's got some new digs that he's going to be doing. He's not made that announcement yet, I don't think yet, has he, Brian? Uh, he's kind of trickling it out there. But, yeah, Jim is not retired, furthest thing from it. So uh, very excited to see what comes out from his corner. Yeah, so we've not got the official word uh, to be able to tell you what he's doing now. And I know that was a couple of your questions on social media. So uh, we're not going to be answering that. But you can definitely keep up with uh, Jim on his social meds and uh, I think he was just being facetious on his um, his AR-14 build that he's going to be doing. <laughs> I don't think he was. I don't think he was serious about that, but he might have been. That would be cool. Unlike Joe Biden, uh, he is a septuagenarian who is not yet senile. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! And speak. I mean, I have to bring this up because this happened after we did the uh, the last episode of the the normal show for a jack wagon train. And uh, he definitely would have been on there for um, confronting that worker like he did. I mean, he was very. Uh, well, how would you how would you call his demeanor during that that questioning? Pugnacious would be the fancy word for it. He actually invited the guy to fight him outside. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. If you want a steady hand. I don't think you can look for it from that quadrant. That's for darn sure. No. I mean, that's that's the prime example of what you're going to get if you put this guy in as commander-in-chief. Not, not yeah, good the, stuff. The term they're throwing around the media right now is that they're bubble-wrapping him. Bubble-wrapping you know, him? To, yeah, that they're trying for the next debate. The DNC wanted it to be a sit-down debate and uh, where they could be seated in chairs, literally, so that he wouldn't fall over. And uh, then he has all these minders, you know, that unsuccessfully uh, try to keep him from answering actual questions. Like uh, one of the ladies tried to keep him. Oh, from yeah, she did. Digging the hole and he shushed her, which is supposed to be like the most sexist, you know, mansplaining thing you can do. And uh, I'm not hearing much from the liberal media on on his oh, mansplaining. Yeah, shushing her down. And he did it uh, quite sternly also. You know, yeah. I mean, it was almost yeah. like he was getting ready to backhand her. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was great. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, I love, I love to see people's uh, self-destruct on uh, public <laughs> TV. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so hopefully, I'm, I mean, he'll bounce back from it, but you know, hopefully he won't. Hopefully not. But anyway, we're not talking politics here. I just wanted to get that out of the way. We didn't have a chance to talk about it on the, uh, the regular episode, which uh, hopefully you guys have gone back and listened to as well. So I think it's time we go ahead and introduce our, our very special Leadhead guest. And he's got a good story, too. So I was going through uh, my emails and my social media. I was gone out of country for uh, about a week and a half or so. Got back in, in country and was getting caught up. And I saw all these posts from this guy. I was like, I've never seen these these posts from this guy before. Is he is he trolling me? What's going on here? So I had to, had to check into it. But, I mean, it was legit. 
enthusiasm and appreciation for the show and uh you know and then i went to see he, that he was commenting on other people's posts and trying to help and answer questions and uh, i mean that just really impressed me and uh so our our pick for the this special episode of the ak corner is is larry k and i'm not going to try to say your last name i'm going to let you tell us how to pronounce your last name, Larry, because I, I fuck up last names all the time. Yeah, last name's Kozel, so it's a, a Polish name, but uh, yeah, I'm just a, a South Omaha Polak here in Nebraska. What so. a perfect person to have on the AK Corner. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a, a Polish-American uh, going to be asking some uh, AK-47 questions. You probably already know all the answers, right? Oh, no, I'm just I'm just a student, so... So you were sharing with us how you came across the show. Um, I should have should have been recording then. Tell us tell us how you came across the Talking Lead podcast in the AK Corner. Well, uh, I kind of mentioned I had an old uh, Century Wasser 1063 that I, I loved, and it was my my sole AKM uh, in the house. Uh, not my only Russian firearm, but my only AKM. And uh, someone wanted to get into it and didn't want to take a big chunk. And I'm like, well tell you what, I'll give you a deal on it. And I parted ways with my Wasser 1063, and which I kind of regret, but was in the market for a new rifle and uh, was doing all the research I could to see what was out there within my budget. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's not in my budget, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, was looking to see what Mine the best uh, the buck was. And I uh, was really tempted uh, by a few of the offerings or even uh, I'd really like to get into building my own AKs. Uh, but there's there's some tough competition out there, right, Brian? <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's uh, that's the kind of thing that you can do as a hobby and just let it mature into whatever it wants to be, and and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of how it went for me. And and uh, building AKs is hugely rewarding. Um, you know, don't don't bet on making a fighting rifle your first time out of the <laughs> gate, but but <laughs> to actually have rounds go downrange out of a gun you've built is really rewarding and highly recommended. Yeah. Well, amen. Yeah, so anyways, I was doing a bunch of research, uh, again, checking out Brian's site, uh, Jim Fuller, someone I've uh, been wanting to attend one of his uh, build classes for years and have his uh, AK Armors Bench uh, video, which is a must-have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, d- just digging through everything I could find and uh, decided to uh, put my money on America and uh, went with uh, the new PSA uh, AKE, which uh, I just picked up last week and love. Uh, but it was the day I was actually, actually my wife ordered it for me. Uh, they were so hard to come by that I think they were only putting out a handful a day. Uh, so I was, uh, at work, uh, I'm an electrician, a lot of downtime, uh, no one's bugging me so I can pull wire and listen to podcasts all day. So, uh, just Googled, uh, AK podcast came across this one it was kind of dumbfounded because there was <laughs> guys were well into your second season. I'm like, how have I not come across this? I mean, I listen to podcasts all day. So I came across it and literally uh, eight to 10 hours a day was <laughs> listening to some episodes twice and taking notes as I could. And yeah, I was uh, cool. learning a lot. And again, it's just shaking my head. It's like, how have I missed this for the last you know year and a half? Well, that is the epitome of why we do this. You know, it's, it's for information and for people who are wanting to learn and, uh, you know, soak it in. And you definitely are doing that. So thank you for finding us for one. I guess we got to do a better job uh advertising promoting marketing i don't know well <laughs> come on lead heads it's word of mouth that's how we do it around here so tell well, again like go ahead oh i'm sorry like i said i got you know a wife you know nine kids so i'm pretty busy and i try to stay off of uh 
social media as much as I can because it tends to turn into a bit of a time suck. So yeah. I think there's a oh, lot of big rabbit hole. I'm, I'm, yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So, so nine kids. Holy cow, son! What are the age yes, ranges? Sir. Uh my oldest is 23, and uh, she's actually got her first Muay Thai fight this weekend. And my youngest is two. So we we got five boys, four girls, and a, a giant German Shepherd. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big old family right there. Yeah. Yep. Very yeah, and cool. then even uh, like I said, we homeschool, so uh, they're you know a varied bunch. Uh, even I got an 11 year old son who's a content creator on YouTube trying to get that going. So it's it's a lot of fun. Nice. But nice. what is he doing? Uh, what's he doing? Uh, he he likes gaming. So uh, if I can give him a little shout out, I guess. Uh, you do it. It's Game 32. Uh, his name's Isaac, and uh, yeah, he's uh, I guess uh. Started off with Fortnite and now streaming and putting out content for some other games. Uh, big Apex and okay. I, I haven't played <laughs> had a chance to play video games in a while. Now, do you uh, do you are you teaching your children the the firearm safety and all that? Are you getting them exposed to the the firearms and the shooting? Oh yes, sir. Um, you know, from an early age, uh, you know, getting them out there, uh, everything from airsoft and uh, you know, do a you know single shot twenty two long rifles and teaching them the basics uh, as far as safety, you know, trigger control, uh, you know, benefits, whether it's for, you know, self-defense or for hunting. So, yes, sir. Absolutely. Very good, man. And, of course, you got them in self-defense classes, it sounds like, as, as well. You said your daughter's in Muay Thai? Uh, yes. Actually, our, our whole family, other than my two-year-old uh, and me when I'm able to, uh, train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. So That's a good mix. Oh, That's yeah. yeah striking and grappling. Yeah, yeah. It's, cool. uh, it's been great. It's really, uh, again, not to, you know, get off on that subject, but it's uh, it's been great to see even just the discipline and the self-confidence that has really come out of, especially with my girls, uh, being more confident. and They've become more outgoing as they've developed that confidence in themselves. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Well, very cool, man. So thanks for sharing that with us. And, uh Brian, I think we want to go ahead and let's jump into our questions, and we're going to let you, and I know you've got more than one, so ask your first one, and then we'll get into some of our other questions, and we'll come back to you and let you ask uh, some of your other questions, Larry. Sounds great. Uh, so I guess my first question uh, was basically what your guys' thoughts are on cutting a barrel to 14 and a half inches and pinning with the muzzle device to get above that legal 16 inches. This, I guess, applies to those of us that don't want to give Uncle Sam, another $200 and wait a year on a tax stamp. And with that, uh, is that improved handling and shifting that center of balance rearward? Is that worth that loss of velocity and energy, especially as we start to reach out to that 300-yard you know, range? And again, this is for primarily a fighting fighting rifle. Okay, good question. Yeah, so um, I started doing pin and weld jobs, gosh, my third gun or something, because I, I couldn't afford an RD gun. And, but I wanted what Jim Fuller had cooked up and it was obvious that it was the right way to go. And, um, at that time you couldn't really get good combo gas blocks other than Jim's, um, or the, the Bolton Venom tactical one. And, uh, now there are several options. J-Mac has a, uh, a very nice East German copy I'm trying to think who else, uh, Meridian defense has a very solid one. With 14 and a half really does come a combo gas block job as well. Um, one thing to be aware of uh, as a non, well, it really doesn't matter. 
but but as a civilian or a non-licensed non-FFL person there's a poor boy way to do it that is pretty effective where you just chop the barrel and then CNC warrior has a bunch of facing and sort of it's a core drill that lets you size the outside diameter of the barrel for um for uh running a die over to thread it um and they've got kind of all the tools you need there what you need to be aware of is that if you do that without removing the barrel from the gun you've created a short barreled rifle now you know there's there's allowed and versus able and all that but what i'm going to officially say is pull your barrel first before doing this and uh proceed with caution you know and check with a range rod after you've done the the threading job to make sure that you that your brake is on straight or your muzzle de- whatever your muzzle device is if you are going to do this and mount a suppressor you really want to have a professional gunsmith do it um the getting the alignment right is almost impossible with the hand tools that i've just described so um yeah very very worth your time yes there are downsides um that whole that whole pursuit is what led me to design the things that we've come out with. I really do believe in pulling all the weight off the front end of the gun that you can and doing a pin and weld job and not going to some sort of rear optic mount. It doesn't need to be what we sell. You know, it could be a side mount. It could be a, uh, you know, any of the, the rear leaf adapters out there. I have, obviously I, I built my stuff I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't think it was the best way to do it. But there are people who find very good value in other solutions. Yes, you get a very small decrease in muzzle velocity. Sure, you're going to see that at 300. But what I would say is, um, this is the way I talk about it, is that even in Idaho, if I'm shooting somebody at 300 yards in self-defense, I'm going to have a really hard time talking to a jury about why I needed to do that. Now, 50 feet, 50 yards... Totally. All day long. Bad breath distance, even more likely. So there's sort of two cases that I think about with an AK. One is grid up self-defense stuff where you have a home invasion. And there we're talking, it doesn't matter. And then if we're reaching out to touch somebody at 300 yards, our rifles will do far longer than that accurately. However, what I tell people is if I'm having to whack dudes at 300 yards I really hope I've got somebody with a bolt gun, like a 338 next to me or a 300 wind mag or something, some, some righteous reach out and touch somebody power. And so for my money, 14 and a half pin and welds are where it's at for that all up mix of good at everything, um, which is what I think the AK really excels at. Um, hope that's a, does that all make sense? Oh yeah. That's uh kind of was my thinking that wanted to i guess hear it out of your guys's mouth so again jim sure. fuller was the one where i first came across that as well and uh, again fan james jager which is where i had first uh, come across you brian so yeah that was oh nice yeah james james is awesome good friend of mine so Tom, you listen uh, get, you listen to james before you listen to me man oh yeah. he gets me all riled up so <laughs> <laughs> he gets a lot of people riled up yeah so uh i guess if i could add something onto that now do you feel that there's a sweet spot? Would you say that 14 and a half is kind of the ideal between, I know uh, Jim Fuller is a big fan of that 12 and a half inch. Uh, again, now we're talking SBR, uh, you know, range there. Uh, and I guess, what do you recommend as far as a zero on a 14 and a half inch, you know, pin and weld? I actually don't have a, 
preferred zeroing method because um, the bullet goes the same place no matter what your zero is. You are just drawing a line through that that parabola, the you know the the bullet drop pattern, which isn't straight and then falling off. It's actually like the golden arches. And when you make a zero, well, when when you zero your gun, you're drawing a straight line through two points on that arch. And I don't care where you draw that line. What I care about very deeply is that you know where that line is and what your dope is for your particular gun. There are very good arguments for 14 yards, which is Jeff Kirkham's, um, you know, conviction. And and I, like Curtis Halstrom says that Jeff is 100% right. And I know other people that like the 5200 zero. Um, I typically zero at 50 and it's I don't have a good reason for it. It's because I've always done it and I can see that's far enough out where I can see if the gun is accurate or not but not so far that a really stiff wind will start messing with stuff. Um, Curtis also believes that for 50 yards, that's his finding is that you learn more about the gun and less about the bullet at 50. And so that's, that's where I zero, but I don't, yeah, don't have strong opinions. And as for 12 and a half, uh, yeah, great length. We sell a 10 and a half and a 16. And the reason I do 10 and a half is that that gives you enough length for handguard and enough length for gassing um, the system in the way that I see is proper. Um, and that, that'll get you into a, a pretty small bag, not as small as a crank, but, but pretty close while still getting really good knockdown power. And so that's where I come down on it. But boy, there's, if you got a gun in your hand, you're doing it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, if you got a gun in your hand, we're on the same team. So, you know. <laughs> Very good. So uh, does that answer your question? That, oh yeah, your first question. Okay. Uh, well, it was, like I said, it was kind of a two-parter. So yeah, that's fine. I know you've got other questions too, so we're we're going to come back to you. Let's go to uh, Instagram now, and I've seen several that have to do with uh, mag carriers. So what what mag carriers do we recommend for the AK? Yeah, Best mag carrier to- pouch for oh. chest rig or belt line. Uh, I see a lot that fits certain mags and not others. That's from. Dickie the third asked that. Uh, there was another one. Let's see who else asked. Um, another one of my guys, Connor Child. Dickie the third's one of my guys as well. Um, uh, CZ, CZ, Czoneth the Graham. Uh, CZ on the Graham. CZ yeah, on the Graham. Okay. Another, one of my customers there. Yep. Yep. Okay. So both of those uh, involve the uh, the AK the mag carriers. Yep, I'm going to say something that will get me in probably some trouble here, but um, I do not have infinite funds for for plate carriers and stuff, and so I've always gone fairly poor boy um, with the AR-500 plate carriers. Mm-hmm. And then I have numerous times used Airsoft pouches from Amazon, and they work freaking great. And when I have money... I have bought original SOE stuff, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And I know the guys who make it and they love America. But when you're a baller on a budget, like that airsoft stuff, a lot of it is actually really, really good. Um, Blackhawk also makes an AK pouch, a double and a single stack that both work very well. I've used them for. There's several so. uh, Kydex companies out there that make some, some decent uh, mm-hmm. carriers as well. Yeah. For, for your belt. For your belt or for your chest rig. 
Yep, and I've run a an airsoft drop leg rig, two two mags on my left thigh that I love, and it's something like spec core or something. It's it's you know it's a note you just you know tool around on Amazon until you find what looks right. And I've had to sew, you know, had to add on a little bit of stuff occasionally to get them to run how I want. Mm-hmm. But for like thirty bucks, you can get up and running. And like I said, when you can afford really high quality American made custom made stuff, that's great. But I have far more experience with the cheap stuff and having it work. <laughs> there you um, go. In terms of, of loadout in general, I've carried as many as eight plus one, <clears throat> three up front or sorry, six, three times two up front and then two on the thigh, one in the gun that stacks up to like with AR 500, that's like a 70, 75 pound loadout with water pretty easily. Um, I, and it also is very hard to get into prone. And so what I currently run is three on my chest rig, which still lets me get down flat and then two on the thigh, if at all. And, um, three plus one, like that's, that's pretty darn good. Like I know people that, that carry a lot more than that. Um, but you know, if you actually, if you actually try getting in and out of vehicles and moving around with a ton of weight, it really slows you down. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't hazard any sort of, uh, declaration on what is best, but from what little experience I have, it's clear that you need to play around with your gear and figure out what suits you. And exactly, you know, you know gear's just like a gun, you know, when you're or a pair of shoes, you got to see, you got to try on, you got to try the stuff and see what, what yeah. works best for you and your situation and your scenarios. Uh, but there's a ton of different ones out there. So if you want to go on the cheap side, like Brian said, check into the airsoft stuff. If you got a little more coin, then uh, you know the Google is your is your favorite uh, ally there. Tons of stuff comes up when you Google Google that, and there's tons of videos out there. You know all the all the YouTube commandos that are out there doing their um, their stuff. It's helpful, so use it. You know, you can get actual visual on how other people are using it and how it's working for them. A big thing to remember as well is that. Following what high speed, you know, SEAL Team Six dudes are doing, that doesn't necessarily <laughs> equal what's good for you know, what is it? Medium speed, some drag uh, yeah, yeah. operators like us, like if low if, speed, if high like, drag. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, if your knees are junk, uh, probably good to carry a little bit less and be able to move easier and that kind of thing. So, all right, so I think we answered that one. Uh, good enough for those those two guys. There may be some other people that answered or asked that too. But uh, this one comes to us from Austin Whalen, a longtime leadhead, and he starts this off as he does everything. Howdy, howdy, lefty. He's from Texas, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> he said, "I would like to hear more about troubleshooting the AK." Uh, he finally uh, was able to take out his help up he, that he got. He was one of our winners last season. We gave away twelve of those. Uh, he says, although I had uh, feeding issues, I was using Tulla ammo and had multiple different magazines. So keeping on the magazine topic here, uh, he said, one from Pioneer Arms, uh, South Korean steel, a U.S. Palm, and a Magpul. He says, the Magpul mag magazine was the last one I ran, and it fed fine. The others would uh, scrape the side of the casing from the bolt carrier. And he sent me a photo of that there, and I can see where it was scraping the side there. 
Um, this confused me. Since you have the expert AK heads at your fingertips, would it be the piston gas system, the mag catch system, or the bolt catch? Um, what would, would you want to see this picture, Brian? I'll forward this to you. That way you can look at the picture. But what's uh, your initial diagnosis well, of that? I'm I'm still waiting to hear the failure, which is to say, did the gun not run? Okay. And um, so when the bolt carrier comes back after the gun is, has fired and the bolt carrier is coming back now, there's a spent shell clipped into the uh, extractor claw. And now we're going to come back and picture in your mind's eye, the bolt carrier is now the, the sort of boat shaped. And I got this picture coming up. So I'm going to try and walk and chew gum here. The bolt carrier is, well, the, <laughs> this is another interesting one. This will, yeah, there's a few things to talk about here. Yeah. Um, the bolt carrier, which has kind of a shallow, like a John boat profile to it is going to come back over the next round. That's going to be, loaded in and now the empty casing is now going to be hit by the ejector um, and it's going to be tumbling out and the bolt is now all the way back and the round that was being pushed down the next round up was pushed down by the bolt carrier and by the bottom edge of the bolt and now the spring in that magazine is going to push that round back up and the bolt carrier is going to hang back at the, the rear while it changes direction and then it's going to start slamming forward pick up the rear of that shell casing and hopefully launch that thing it's kind of airborne um towards the chamber and then the bolt's going to close and life's going to be good again and so some scraping over the top of those rounds is inevitable because the bolt carrier is literally pushing that top round down as it goes by yeah the picture that I'm seeing has not a, the scratch that I was expecting to see. In it looks it. more like a dent to me. It's more like a dent. And I don't know if that happens before or after. And so, because it could be that something wacky is going on during ejection, but I still don't see a problem here. I do see really rusty ammo. And um, no, he said ammo. that had been sitting in the back of his truck, in the bed of his oh. truck for, for a while. Oh. So. Okay, got yeah. it, got it. So it wasn't uh, rusty when he was shooting it. Got it. Well, yeah, I would, let me read this real quick again, but. He said he didn't have the issue when he used the uh, PMAGs. Well, that, like I said, I'm trying to hear what the what the root complaint is. Because mm-hmm. if, it, if it was jamming and not loading well, that's one thing. If it's just making these dings, you know, that's kind of like a, oh, well, they're all a little, everyone's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is that, uh, the quality, there is a reason somebody was asking, this is a great related topic on why people like bake lights. And, um, okay. Yeah. There's some, a few so bake light questions in here too. If you don't mind, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent and then we'll loop back to our root yeah. uh, question here. Do it. So when I was the first few years I was into AKs, there's a bunch of folks who collect magazines uh, a little bit like, and I don't mean this derisively or like I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to ding anybody. Um, it's a little bit like stamp collecting and they collect mags and they talk about all the different, you know, the differences in them and they get into the history of it. And that's dandy, but I'm not into, to, you know, stamp collecting or collecting AKs cause they're beautiful, even though that's a wonderful way to spend your time and connect with people. But 
Bakelites, I thought, were just sort of a collector's, you know, because they're rare, people want them and they're beautiful and all that. And then I tried a couple and I was like, holy cow, this is like a performance enhancing drug. Like it's an unfair advantage. <laughs> they're that much better. And um, there is something in the way that Bakelite or it's, I think it's called SG4 is the actual it's not exactly Bakelite that the Russian Bakelite mags are, but it's close. Um, <clears throat> it's sort of a primitive um, fiberglass slash plastic. And it is incredibly toxic to manufacture. There is no way that we will ever be able to make actual Bakelite again in the United States. It is banned even in Russia to give you some kind of idea of what the health consequences are of, of the chemicals involved in it. It is also extremely hard to get them. They're kind of embargoed on both sides. For I, I don't know the specifics, but importation of them into the U.S. is very tricky and they often get seized at borders. And so what you're seeing when you look at the price is not just the scarcity, but also the losses that importers suffer trying to get them across borders. That said, um, when people ask me what mags to get, I ask them how much if they've got 400 bucks to spend on mags. And if they do, I tell them to get four Bakelite mags, one in the gun and three on the front chest plate. And then to backfill with something cheaper like steel or X-Tex, um, or if they have to, Magpuls. And Magpuls fail at a pretty fantastic rate. Um, they are a good value for $10, but they do not. Um, you should expect feeding malfunctions with them. The Korean steel stuff, I have not heard good reviews from almost anybody on that. And um, let's see what the third... The U.S. Palm, the, the old ones are are great the new ones need some tuning um and i don't have much experience with them i know that they won't they don't fit in our guns um the new ones don't no they don't they're they're okay. oversized they're out of spec okay um, i've been using I, them uh haven't used them in yours gun yet but i've been using the newer ones and they've been running fine great great that's real good to hear um yeah with with some tuning and there's a, a video that we put up um they'll fit in our guns um you can just file along the back there's a back plastic strap there and um i just don't like opening up the mag well so that it'll fit everything because you start to run into reliability issues okay so um we've you know we we come down where we try to fit um actually the gen 3 mag poles also do not fit there's a there's a big seam in the metal across the back that i also detail in the video that's oversized but it's nothing that a file or a belt sander won't take care of in a couple minutes. Um, so the, yeah, Polish steel mags are fantastic. Um, a lot of the Kami surplus mags are great. Um, but, uh, yeah, the South Korean and Croatian stuff does not, does not have a great reputation. I don't have personal experience with either one of them. Okay. So while you're talking, while you're talking Bakelite though, let's, let's go ahead and, and get CZ on the gram second. Uh, part of his question, any chance an American Bakelite mag could become a thing? Uh, Russian yeah. bakes make my wallet cry. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing is the environmental, the environmental and environmental health and safety, the human hazard issues with Bakelite uh, just prohibit the possibility of it ever getting made again. Um, X-Tech is doing, is trying to get as close as you possibly can to a Bakelite mag. Um, and you know, I don't think, I think there's something special in the Bakelite chemical 
um, that that whole composite there that will always be better than glass filled nylon. Um, but X Techs are also a third the price and um, and and fairly reliable. So uh, yeah, they're they're a good option. Very good. And uh, Austin, as far as your question goes, we probably need a little more information to be able to uh, uh, accurately answer your your question on what your issue may be because we don't know what the actual problem is. You didn't state what the problem was. So get back to us on that one. And it says he's going to be out for about three months or so. So whenever you hear this, shoot me an email. All right, next one comes to us from, and this is, again, there's several people asking about the the different caliber AKs, 5.45762 versus 5.56. Um, here's one from the Combat Accountant. This is one of your guys again? Yeah, he's one of our sponsored shooters. He uh, okay. he is a uh, retired, I think he was Army, and then he went back, and he was one of those dudes who joined Peshmerga and Wack and Isis. And uh, he's he's the real deal, really humble, quiet guy. Um, and uh, he's on the competition circuit now. Okay. Uh, his uh, Instagram channel, The Combat Accountant, um, has... Uh, I would like to see more picks up there of his his time with Peshmerga, um, but there is there are some cool cool shots there. Very cool. So his question says: In what situations is five four five superior than the seven six two, or in what situations is it reversed? What are your thoughts on the five five six AKs? What are your thoughts on the furniture of the AK platform with more people making them in the U.S. now? Uh, and then Coach Tuck twenty two. How, uh, we'll ask that separate, but he says, with the above in mind, the 545 remain the go-to light caliber AK. So uh, another 545-556-762 related. There's several of those on there. So let's just let's go into that a little bit, your thoughts on the, the different calibers there. Yeah, sure. The obvious benefits of 556 are cross-compatibility with other folks that, um, and this would be in kind of a grid-down scenario, Particularly, you know, 5.56 AKs that have a magwell adapter that can take um, Magpul AKs, AR mags. That has obvious benefit in a situation where resources are scarce. It's not that I think the 5.56 round is terrible, but it is, its parent case is a a varmint round for killing groundhogs and coyotes. And, um, you know, if you shoot somebody the right way with it, they're going to, they're going to have a bad day. You know, there's, there's, there's obvious issues with, you know, from a from a home defense standpoint, the only people that that in my travels I've had issues with are drug addicted and mentally ill folks, both of which don't feel pain. And so getting shot is not going to be enough for them. They need to get put down. And so that means taking down their spine or the A-box headshot, um, even a heart shot. Somebody can very successfully beat you to death before they bleed out from a heart shot. Yeah. And so for me, it's all about, you know, real knockdown power. And um, like uh, Paul Howe, the Black Hawk Down guy, well, he, way more than Black Hawk Down, but, you know, cool guy. Um, his his rule is that that he he planned on using three solid hits to take somebody all the way down to the ground Yeah, uh, with five, six. Well, you got like so, body armor, too. Uh, there's know. that, too. So, um yeah, I don't think five five six is bad, but I don't carry it. Five four five to seven six two. Um, the definite advantage of seven six two is that it'll punch through stuff like cars really, really easily um, and keep going. 
Now, if you're in a situation where you want to punch holes through cars, that's really great. If you're <laughs> protecting your household and you're in a residential area, you do bad. not want that's to do bad. that. That's bad yeah. news. And that's where 545 is awesome. 545 does not punch through cars particularly well, but and it doesn't penetrate cover very well at all. But if you've got, you know, some meth head downstairs walking around with a knife like one of my neighbors had, then uh, if you put a couple well-placed 545 rounds in, they tumble like nobody's business. They're like 556 five, on steroids for tumbling damage. And so um, 545 is my preferred round for home defense. So, yeah, they're, they're all awesome and they all have their place. And um, you kind of got to figure out what works for you. But uh, the reason that 30 cal is my all-around favorite, the 7.6239, is I can go hunting with it, I can punch through cover with it, and I can take people down with it. And if I'm at the top of my stairs in my house shooting down, I'm not going to over-penetrate because I've got a backstop of, of the floor. So um, for me, for my personal use case in a two-story house where everybody sleeps upstairs, 30 cal is awesome. Good answer. I like that. So, and... and- you know, you can get into the ballistics and, you know, it depends on what you're going to be using it for. So I mean, if you're going to be hunting, you're using it for self-defense, uh, like you're going to shoot cars. <laughs> if you're going to shoot cars, you might as well go up to a big uh, 458 or a 50 BMG, you know, don't mess uh, around. More like, more like if somebody's in a car that you need to get to, I'm not yeah, talking yeah. about stabling an engine block, just like if somebody's trying to use a car for cover, that's going to be a good idea. If you've got five, five, six or five, four, five, if you've got 30 cal, that's not going to be a good idea for them. And so that's, that's what I mean there. You're quite right. 30 cal ain't going to take out an engine block. (laughs) Maybe a bunch of them will. This episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner season two is brought to you in part by Occam Defense. The guys at Occam love the AK, but didn't love burning their hands getting cut by their pre-sharpened gun, or the lack of options for accessories. After spending a few years in the lab, they've recently released the ODS 1775, which brings the best of the AR family to the Kalashnikov's reliability. It's still an AK under the hood. AK mags, forged Polish AK parts, but with American aerospace manufacturing practices and ingenuity. Check them out at OccamDefense.com or on Instagram at OccamDefenseSolutions. Yeah, All right. There you go. All right. So I think that was the majority of the five four five seven six twos that I was seeing here. Um, so FPS Murdoch asked pros and cons of the bolt hold open AK mags. Yeah, I got a good story about that. I used to think that was the one deficiency of the AK that it needed a bolt hold open, so I knew when I was out. And uh, you can get Yugo and Xtech is now making bolt hold open mags as well. I forget the name of the folks that make the follower, but they buy in the follower and install them. So the way those work is that instead of the where the last round would be, and they still hold 30 rounds, but just imagine there's there's a lip that sticks up that the bolt runs into and hits, and that's what keeps the the, the bolt held open. The problem is when you go to strip that mag, there's seven kilo there's about 15 pounds of force pressing forward on the mag from the bolt carrier um for you to try and and so it it impedes you getting that spent mag out which to me is a really bad thing um so then you go back to just so the the only way to really neatly reload those is with the iraqi reload 
where you take your, if you're a right-handed shooter, you would take your right hand off the, the pistol grip, pull the bolt carrier to the rear. And if you've got big monkey hands like mine, you can hook a thumb behind the dust cover under the recoil spring. Then you can you take your left hand off the foregrip, swap your mags, bring your left hand back up, let go of the bolt carrier with your right hand, and you're good to go. There are situations, particularly with California folks who can only keep 10 rounds in a mag, where the Iraqi reload really makes sense, because even though you're giving up control of the pistol grip. For everybody else that can have a 30-round mag, um, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, the bolt hold opens just mess everything up. Um, in practice, I don't, you know, that's typically an AR shooter mentality, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like you're used to it. Um, I asked Jeff Kirkham if he ever um, was able to tell when he closed on an empty bolt, mm -hmm. which is what most folks will say, including myself in the past. Most folks will say that if you practice enough, you'll feel when you close on an empty chamber. And, um, he said not a chance and he was deployed for i think 12 years fighting with ak's and he said he played a game after a gunfight if it was a single mag engagement where he tried to he he would guess how many rounds he had expended and he said he was never even close to being right he would and guess. They never what's that he would guess how many rounds that he shot well yeah well he was trying to develop that skill right sure. he's a very sharp dude and yeah. he said he got anywhere close so really, the the Marshall takeaway from that is shoot your gun till it goes click and then reload it. And either you're empty or you have a mag malfunction, doesn't matter. And um, so that's that's where I come down on the whole bolt hold open thing is that you don't want to make your caveman brain more, more confused than it already is. And so go. just practice, click and no bang, change your mag, get to work. So if you lad heads, you want to go back to season one, uh, AK Corner. It's episode uh, 299. It's part 11. Uh, it's called The Philosophy of Use. That was our part 11 of the AK 40, uh, the uh, AK Corner. Jeff was in that episode. So you can go back and uh, hear our interview that we did with Jeff back uh, on that episode. Soon to have him on again. We, we tried to get him on today, but uh, he was one of those uh, people dealing with adversities of the coronavirus, I guess. No, no. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm there. just teasing. He knows I'm teasing. <laughs> but it is it is it is really messing up a lot of people's business because places are shutting down and you know suppliers are shutting down and people that need the supply. I mean it's 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 a dominoes effect that it's having. Yeah. I mean, whether people are physically uh, bothered by it, they are they're somehow getting bothered by this flu, whether they're physically or it's uh, indirectly bothered by it. So let's go let's go to our our leadhead Larry Larry let's. Get another one of your questions knocked out here. Oh, sounds good. Oh, well, if I could touch on something real quick, talking yeah. about the mag carriers, mm -hmm. I've had good luck with a lot of the surplus stuff. Again, especially for people on a budget or might not be ready to go splurge on a, a fancy plate carrier, picking up like some of the Chicom stuff. Uh, I actually will often run that with my plate carrier, and then I have the option of throwing that over if I'm going with my you know, AK or you know, switching to you know, AR setup if I want. So that's, that's pretty handy. And they also have like the four cell or three cell mag pouches, which yeah. can run fine on like a battle belt rig as well. So, and they're dirt cheap, literally. Well, since um, you bring that up, my experience uh, yeah, since you brought that up, Connor child 
uh, wants to know, have you seen any good swift clip placards uh, for people who want to run AK mags on the plate carriers? You got either hmm. one of you familiar with those? I am not. No, I if am not. Want to send some. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. I am not either. Um, oh, and I'm seeing what they are. It it sounds like a, a method of swapping um, mag loadouts among. Oh, these are cool. Um, Swift yeah, clip it, placards. Yeah. Yeah, and the the short answer is no. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna waste anybody's time by by doing a Google search. Um, don't don't know much about them. Very good. All right. So, Larry, what's your question? So a question, uh, I guess, back to the self-defense round for 7.62 by 3.9. What do you guys like to run, and is there a good uh, combination self-defense? And, you know, so for those two-legged varmints as well as, you know, medium-sized game. Oh, yeah. This mm-hmm. is um, – I hope I'm not um, divulging something before it's time, but uh, Pete Pye, formerly of Corbon. Um, Corbon kind of has gone by the wayside, but Pete, um, has formed a new company, Defiant Munitions. And back when Corbon was around, um, they made a, it was called the DPX round, uh, deep penetration and expansion. And I've killed a lot of animals with that stuff. And it is awesome. It's a solid copper round that's machined. And then they score it so that it opens in this giant flower of death. Um, it's like an expanding broadhead basically, and it is nasty. And, um, yeah, they, they, they do wonderful things to, to animals that need to not be there anymore, two legged or four. Not that I have any, (laughs) I've just got experience with hogs and deer and hogs map pretty well to people. And I feel extremely confident in that. So, uh, Pete is coming out with a line of ammo tailored to our guns. Not that they won't work great in others, but we're doing the, um, He's baselining all of them using the ODS 1775, and um, he makes a very fine bullet, very fine product that I trust my life to. And he did well. I'm carrying it right now. What um, grain? What grain are those? Um, the copper ones you're talking about? He's doing a 120. It's either 123 or 124, and then there's uh, I don't want to go. All, there's something else coming, and I I'm not going to say what it is because okay. I I don't wanna, I don't want to yeah. I don't want to divulge something I shouldn't, but there's really cool stuff coming. So give a follow to Defiant Munitions on Facebook and Instagram there. And and as it comes out, it'll be, um, yeah, you'll be the first to know. Uh, and then, of course, you got Red Army Standard. It's good, you know, all around, good round, Red Army Standard. And Fioki um, has some 7.62 by 3.9. I just got some of that in. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I've heard other people talk about Fioki 7.62 by 3.9. Uh, I think they sent the 124 grain. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to double check my. Both both uh, both rounds are extremely effective. It's ball ammo, um, but just because of Geneva. Um, mm-hmm. But ball is ball out of a 30 caliber is um, is nothing to joke around with. So yeah, uh, I'd be also very confident carrying those both of those brown uh, rounds. Yeah. And then of course some of your your higher end hunting. You know, uh, ammo like with uh, Winchester, Hornady, you know, they make some as well uh, that are going to be specifically for hunting. So you can, you know, you're going to pay premium price when you go get those. But when you're hunting, that's, you know, that's the ammo that you want. So uh, a lot of good options that are out there in the 7.62 by 3.9 if you for self-defense and hunting. Have you personally tried anything? Uh, I, well, 
again, I've been a big fan of the Corbon DPX. Again, that was probably James Jaeger with uh, carrying that in my Glock 19 for mm-hmm. for years. So that's been solid stuff. But uh, for my AK, actually, uh, first time I've ever splurged on quality ammo and uh, grabbed some Hornady SST, uh, the black. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. So, so yeah, that's I familiar with that as far as uh, you know, thirty odd six, and I think three oh eight. So yeah. I figure uh, well, it's, it's gonna do its job. As soon as I get my 1775 ODS, uh, that's what I'm going to be using it for this hunting season. So uh, I'll definitely have some uh, some firsthand experience with some different rounds that I can uh, come back and talk to you about. That sounds good. Hells yeah. So Brian, give us an update on uh, what's going on with Occam Defense and the 1775 rifle and your, uh, your new pistols, your new SBRs. Yeah. The last week or so, we've been bringing up the new 1913 rear trunnion um, that is standard on the pistol, and we're bringing that over on the rifle as well. Um, We are um, doing the Kirkham Shelf, um, also known as the uh, Krebs Speed Loader. Um, There's some sort of interesting concurrent development that happened there, and that is a somewhat oddly shaped... um, triangle of metal that sticks down next to the magazine and um it it's like an unfair advantage for loading it's it's as good as i would say it's as good a benefit as bake lights are maybe better um and it just gives you an index point to rock the uh to rock the mag in and um yeah it it works extremely well so we're adding that in as an option uh somebody was asking about uh whether that limits your mag options, it absolutely does. X-Tex and U.S. Palms won't fit because they've got that fat side on them. So it limits you to steel mags, mag pulls, um, all of the Circle 10, Circle 11 stuff, bake lights, that kind of thing. Those are the two big updates lately. We're uh, shipping as fast as we can here. We just got a big shipment of parts in for our, our parts kits from Poland uh, showed up. So, you know, no coronavirus issues there. Um, got another new, another development that's coming online, um, special modification to barrels that we're doing, um, that is coming in in about six weeks. And so, yeah, we're just cranking as hard as we can here and rolling out as much cool new stuff as we can. So a 212 training group wants to know, can the ODS 1775 kill the coronavirus? Negative. <laughs> so, uh, so communists, I've heard, fall really quickly. So yeah. <laughs> got that going for it. Uh, there's there's another one here. It says, will your Occam rail system fit the C39V2 tactical specifically? It has the gas and sight combo. I would like to invest in one. Thanks for sharing your wisdom of AKs through videos. That's from Dakota Shane 10. Well, sir, uh, the good news is that when you woke up this morning, you were in America. Uh, the Mark. bad news. <laughs> the bad news is that uh, combo gas blocks don't work well with the 1775. You'd have to cut them off. Unfortunately, additionally, that is a milled receiver gun, and the dimensions of the barrel are different by a millimeter, uh, which is actually a big. It's forty thousandths of an inch. Might not sound like a lot, but it is about a sixteenth of an inch. And so our clamp doesn't fit on milled barrels. You could have the barrel pulled, machined down, and then it would work. Um, but at that point, I would tell you, hey, shoot the heck out of that thing and have a good time with it. And um, 
you know, if you're ready for one of our guns, eventually we'd be very proud to earn your business. There was another gentleman who asked what to do with the Wasser. Shall we move over to that? Uh, one more here on while we're talking about Occam Defense. Um, yes. This one is from 14 Taylor 2012. Have you figured out what brace you're going to recommend for your pistols? Boy, uh, I got good news and good news on that. The market for braces is blowing up. There's, I'm going to, I can never get these guys' names right. The, the Gearhead Works, that's what it is. Gearhead Works out of Tennessee, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. The tail hook. They make awesome gear. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the, the tail hook Mod 3 is kind of like a competitor to the, Competitor to the to the SB three, I think is what it's called. It's it's a buffer tube system, mm-hmm. and it is very rigid. Works really well with the Sig folder knuckle. Sig has this. It's a Galil knockoff hinge that's got nineteen thirteen on one side and a buffer tube on the other, and you can fold it either left or right with it. You'll be upside down in some ways, but it, it works just fine. So my personal favorite right now is the sig knuckle with the tail hook i think it's the mod three it's either mod two or mod three um and uh the other really nice one is sb tactical now has an aluminum strut configuration of their 1913 brace mm-hmm. those two are my top picks both are very nice one gives you a telescoping option and the other is just a straight up minimalist side folder get work done kind of brace yeah and then of course with the uh, the AR adapters that you can put on there, I mean, you can put endless amounts of different options on there. Yep, that SIG knuckle to a buffer tube, and then you're into all of the the tail hook original. Yeah, everything. The, or the, the SBA3, all that stuff. Just make sure that you're towing the line on if you want. You know, your mileage may vary, but, you know, don't put a stock when you – let's not be dumb. You know, and, and yeah, don't put a and, stock. I mean, use a brace. You know, that's what that's yeah, the whole point yeah, in the not doing it. So stay with the braces. Use the brace. If you want to do the SBR, then register as SBR, and then you you can go down that road. Yep. One one little known fact uh, that it depends how big a loudmouth you are on the internet, um, because uh, you know there's this whole problem of selective enforcement where if you make big problems and you get popped for something, you might have a big problem. So the if you stuff stuff like a med kit or a tourniquet in the hole that your arm would go in, the ATF considers that manufacturing a stock. And I ain't, it's not that I'm a big fan of government or whatever, but just again, like let's pick, you want to pick things you need to be aware of. Yeah. If you're going to go down there. It's a thing you should be aware of. Yep. 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 Very good. So one, one more here we're going to take on your guns. Uh, This is from tactical midget 702. What's the highest round count on one of your Occam guns? We're up around 10,000 on a couple of them at this point. We've certainly got more. We've got more than 5,000 on a giant pile, um, you know, tens. Um, but, you know, the underlying, all the underlying parts are well proven out by, it's one reason we just picked the best parts we could is so that uh, we knew that everything would stand up. And, um, you know, you can expect to get around 20,000 rounds out of a barrel if you're not a jerk about it. You know, I can I can roach a barrel in an afternoon pretty easily. You know, I, I highly recommend against the power dump is what I've heard them called. You know, our, I just our had guns one of those dump, this morning. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, right? Our <laughs> guns work really well, and they dump heat very well. But please, we've already done the testing. You don't need to redo it. You know, running 10 mags in three minutes through a gun 
and I don't care what gun it is, is going to not, it's not going to be happy at the end of it. So, you know, please use some good sense with, uh, with all that, but, you know, well cared for, keep them wet, keep them greased. Don't digger them in the dirt. You know, don't let them get rusty, even though we, we Cerakote them. So there's not that many areas that can rust, but you know, if, if you take care of it, it's going to take care of you. And at 20,000 rounds, you're probably going to want to be asking for a new barrel. And we're going to be really excited to rebarrel that gun for you. There you go. All right, let's jump to uh, Tyler's one one eight. He wants to know what you get. What's your opinion on the Yugo M seventy AB two underfolder? So get a shoulder pad. <laughs> <laughs> you you might have. I don't have much experience with Yugos because they're different and they're great guns, but the hassle of accessorizing them is pretty major. Yeah. Um, but that said, they know how to make a gun. What's your feeling? Uh, I, I think we need to have Jay on here to, to address that one. He's got a lot of experience with that Yugo. I think he could the best answer that. I don't have a lot of experience with him. I just know that he, the underfolders, you know, those stocks are going to jack your shoulder up. And your cheek. Yeah, underfolders I'm not a fan of in general. But Yeah. Um, so you said one, there was one about the Wasser? Yeah, somebody what? was... Yeah, they were they were bagging on their own wasser, saying, "What do I do with one? I know it's one of the worst builds out there." CJ and Freedom I, first. What should I do to a wasser AK? I know it's one of the worst builds. Yeah, you know, I actually would disagree with him. I think that is a very fine entry level rifle that you know is is gonna it's gonna get you eighty or ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, is that your feeling? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great um, AK, especially you know for a starter. If you're just getting into it, uh, you can you know accessorize it as you go. You know, pick and yeah. choose, change your stock out, change you know little parts here and there to make it a little more personal, a little more smooth, I guess. Yeah, um, and that's actually a great gun if you're thinking about beginner gunsmithing. Yeah, inexpensive, but great gun to up. learn on. Yeah, especially if you're gonna you know you're wanting to do your own smithing stuff. Yep, and we we have a video out on the quick and dirty method for installing a, a Merc handguard, um, one of our handguards on a gun. And if you're reasonably well skilled mechanically, then um, you know I would. And you want to really, and you want to cut some metal and get the grinder out. Wasser is definitely where I'd start, but it also could be where you finish. There's not a thing in the world wrong with those guns. Mm-mm. I agree. And with the you know the availability of parts these days becoming more and more accessible, uh, yep, yeah, nothing wrong with it at all. You change the furniture out if you want to on it, or you know whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the beginner, the real beginner mods of okay, I know how to use a screwdriver. Change out the furniture, have a good time with it, yeah. you know, uh, and then yeah, you can get more and more dangerous from there. And that's where you sign up for classes, you know, that uh, a lot of the people that have been on the show offer. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, Jim will probably start offering those classes again. I guess Rifle Dynamic, Dynamics, do they still offer classes? They sure do, and they got a great group of guys over there. Yeah. Um, most of them are friends of mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, they are exceedingly they're, – they're very competent and good dudes, good yeah. teachers. And so, I know yeah. um, uh, Mesa Kinetic offers classes. He just made a post the other day. There's uh, some. There was some availability in one of their upcoming classes, so it's probably filled up by now, but uh, – yeah, definitely, you know, if you're going to get an AK and you're going to start doing, you know, you're thinking about doing your own work on it, take one of those uh, one of those courses. Yep, 100%. All right, let's go to the next one. This one comes from uh, Navy Vet Patriot. 
And this is our our good buddy who has the the parts kit, Brian. Oh, right. Cool. That that we need to we need to get back helping him, but he says, "What do you think of the AKAR merged rifle? So the hybrids that we that we've been seeing out there. Are they viable battle rifle or are they just not there yet?" Well, there's a reason and I I guess it 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 depends which ones he means. If he means the CMMG Mutant, yeah, the Mutant, and what's the one that Palmetto does? Palmetto oh, has one also. Oh, yeah, I think it might be another. It's a DI gun, though, right? Let me uh, let Correct. me look it up while you're. You go ahead, I'll look it up. I'll I'll go over like the three. There's three or four. When you say AK hybrid, you can kind of divide it into three or four groups. Yeah. Um. There's the Mutant, which is really a. AR-15 chambered in 7.62 that takes 7.62 mags. There's that style, which I think Palmetto makes a similar version of. Um, there's truly new varieties like the SIG 5.56, I think is what it's called, that's discontinued. You've got the M plus M Industries M10X that I don't see for sale anywhere. Um, I don't know what its current availability is. There's the Robinson Arms. Oh, gosh. I can't remember the name of it, but Robinson Arms is a not super well-known, but very interesting company that makes a true hybrid rifle. So there's a lot of different options out there. The KS-47 uh, is the Palmetto State Armory. The Robinson Armament, is it the XCR that you're talking about? There you go, XCR. Yeah, XCR is a 223 Wild 5.56 18-inch S key mod. And they, they're, they're bolt. It doesn't look like it, but they look like an AR, but they're not. Like, the bolt is actually very closely related to the AK bolt mm-hmm. bolt carrier is it's a, it's a piston gun. It's a very interesting design. It does not have a lot of cross compatibility. So if you want to talk about like any sort of change to it, that's, that's not going to be real easy. Um, but the gentleman who designed it is, is quite brilliant. Um, I have had, I got to shoot one a while back and, um, it got a jam and, and the one, one definite downside to it is that if you get a jam in the right way, it's it's a real bugger to get it out because the ejection port is so small. Mm. And the way the jam happened, we couldn't get the – it was a real mess to get the, the cross pins out, get the lower receiver off, and get everything out again. So that's a, that's a definite mark towards the AK where being able to rip that dust cover off, you can get at the guts real easy at the thing. Um, but I don't mean to deride the, the Robinson armament. It kind of looks like a scar to me. It looks a little bit like a scar. Yep. It's a new thing and, um, it's, it's brilliant. Um, so there's, there's some, yeah, it's a neat gun. Um, the, uh, KS 47 and the CMMG mutant, those are AR 15s with a seven, six, two, uh, chambering and an AK, um, mag adapter. I'm not a big fan of those because, uh, you know, the, the saying about the AR is that it shits where it eats, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, it actually plums the exhaust gases down into the action and all the bits and pieces are very small. Um, I would say, you know, it don't, don't expect it to perform like an AK for reliability though. Mm. Um, you know, I, Faxon I could be wrong. makes one too, the art, uh, AR AK 21 XRS. I don't know if they're still making that or not, but they had made one at one point. Uh, Wyndham, you said something about Wyndham, the SRC. 
Um, I didn't say anything about it, but Wyndham I've heard nice things about. Don't don't know him particularly well. Um, the A-Rack looks pretty interesting. I don't know much about it. Um, it certainly looks like a, uh, a very close cousin of the AR-15, and I just, I happen to think that the, for, I could talk for a few hours on why I think the AK topology is better, that architecture is better, but I personally, again, I wouldn't, I'm biased because, you know, I make a well, company sure. that, yeah. right, I make a rifle that, and, that's in the market. Now, I don't yeah. have a lot of experience with these, with these hybrids, so I can't, you know, I can't speak to them, I'm, other than just shooting them at a range here and there, you know, going to events like Big 3 East and shot show and stuff like that as far as just shooting like that i mean they performed fine i didn't really have any issues or anything but uh, from what i've heard long term people that use them they use, the reliability isn't uh like an ak mm-hmm. yeah you know the uh, a lot of what i cut my teeth on as a designer was these week-long contractor classes that james yeager puts on where you're rolling around in the sand and doing very high round count stuff and most of the guns it's rare to have an AR-15 that lasts through the week. And so even really nice ones, like there were three LWRCs that went down within the first three days. And LWRC is a very nice rifle, but I'm just saying like in a sand pit where you don't get to clean, you know, you'll put out, I don't know, close to a thousand rounds a day. Yeah, yeah. And there's time to squirt some oil in, but you can't do a teardown. There's no time, you know, um, so in terms of a, a simulation of uh, combat conditions, I think that's pretty good. And it's rare to have an AK go down in, that, in those week-long classes. So um, it does happen. AKs do fail. But um, I believe strongly in the AK architecture as being robust under severely adverse conditions. Very cool. And then a uh, second part of his question, uh, Navy Vet Patriot. Have you seen the 9mm AK rifles, uh, and do you have any experience with them? I hope to build my dream AK soon. So We're still nice. working on it. Don't give up on us. Uh, we're, we're, we're working on you. So mm-hmm. <laughs> We're coming up with some solutions, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, again, I don't, I don't have a 9mm AK that I've uh, been able to put you know, hundreds of rounds through. I have had hands-on with them at different oh. events, and they shoot nice. Uh, I've shot the Palmetto State Armory one. Um, I've shot sentries. Uh, sentries is really nice. Uh, I got to shoot it semi and full auto with their, the knack. So their, their knack yeah. nine NAK nine is the, is the one that Sentry has. And they brought it up to Royal range a few months ago. Uh, and they had the full, the full auto version of that one too. We did some videos, had some fun with it. And I mean, we probably just that day put, uh, over a thousand rounds through it and it ran like a top didn't have any problems with it so that's the only yeah. two that i've really got any uh experience with as far as the nine millimeter platform goes yeah as, as a as a gun to have fun with i'm all about them um but if i actually had to shoot somebody you know there's that uh well multiple instructors i think clint Clint Smith has that saying that something like pistols put holes in people, rifles put holes through people, and shotguns properly deployed will not chuck chunks of intestines onto the floor of people or something <laughs> like that. And so, awesome. you know, you don't, yeah, yeah, you don't get a whole lot of knockdown with a nine millimeter round. And I know that cool guys are using them uh, in MPs and that kind of thing. Um, full auto suppressed with high class 
um, ammo in them and they get work done with them. And I'm, I'm not questioning that, but as a, you know, low speed, high drag operator, uh, if it's about self-defense, I want a rifle cartridge. Yeah, definitely. Again, it goes into whatever you're using it for as to, you know, what we'd recommend that you carry or use. So, uh, for, you know, for these, uh, pistol caliber carbine competitions, I mean, why not? Why not rock an AK for that? That'd be, that'd be Heck, sweet. Yeah, totally. Yep. Just showing up with the AK would probably, uh, disturb a lot of people and give you an edge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take one more here. Uh, I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, this is from, uh, Kenneth McGee, old Tennessean, and he's got a couple of questions. Is this going to lead to a question that I've got too? Number one, what are the physical differences between a semi and a full auto AK? So I am unsure of, as to exactly what the laws are for what I'm there. There's some, some crazy law about talking too much about this, but what I will say is that um, the major difference, which infuriates me to no end between the semi-auto and full auto AKs in the United States is that that third pin is removed and what that third pin is, is an interlock that makes sure that the gun is in battery before the hammer gets released. And at the front edge of a full auto hammer, there's a little notch and um, there's a kind of a, um, I think it's called the auto sear. There's a little finger that sticks up on the right side of the frame um, that is connected. It's a single piece and that finger goes is at the axle point is that third pin. Don't get too, don't get too detailed. Well, this is the same as in everything that I'm talking about right now is the same as in semi-auto European guns. And this is my, this is why I'm infuriated is that the ATF by banning that third pin has made the AK less safe in the United States Mm, because you can have out of battery firing. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about the, how you make it full auto. I'm just going to say the major difference is that they've removed that interlock and that third pin. And, and what happens is when you depress the trigger that releases the hammer on the the side that you're familiar with, that works the same, but there's a, that latch that's on the bottom. That's that trips here. That thing keeps the, the hammer from falling until the bolt carrier is all the way into battery. And so if you've got like a stick that's holding the bolt carrier partway out of battery on a standard USAK and you pull the trigger, the hammer can drop and in a partial in battery situation. And luckily the AK can pretty well take that. Um, but nonetheless, you know, if you take a Glock and take it out of battery by like a quarter inch, it won't fire. And so you have to be all the way in battery. It has that same mechanism in it, in a semi-auto Glock that got removed to keep you from doing a full auto uh, setup in an AK. So I don't know who to lobby about this. And I suspect I'd be, you know, pissing in the wind about it. But uh, yeah, that is, if, if, if you take that and connect a couple other dots, that's the, that's the difference. Very cool. His second question is, uh, if an AK pistol is SBR'd, does it then fall under the 922R rifle regs? Oh, boy. I would think so, because now, now it's a <clears throat> rifle. It's not a pistol anymore. Yeah, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Don't know for certain, but I would uh, cover my ass and consider it one at that point. Now, here's a question, and I can't, maybe you asked this, Larry. I don't know where I saw this, but uh, if you buy... 
your receiver is an American-made receiver, it doesn't fall under 922R at that point, right? Or does it? Well, do yeah, the 922R is about the, the, the number of foreign parts that you can have on a gun. And the receiver is one of those parts that count. And so, yeah, by using a U.S.-made receiver, that's one less thing you have to worry about. Okay. So if, if your receiver is made in America and you're just building one from scratch, you're using an American receiver, so it, it doesn't have anything to do with import parts. It's just the AK itself then? Well, it's, it's the number, the way the law's written, and I, I, you know. I thought it was just if I'm importing one, then it's got to have so many. Negative. Okay. Nope. It's, it's if you build a rifle in the United States, there is a maximum allowable number of foreign parts. And Good so to know. That, but, but the mm-hmm. you got to look up the law itself because it varies. It's completely insane. Um, yeah. It varies from gun to gun. And so on the AK, the front, and, the front and rear sights are not on the list of parts that count as foreign. So by changing, for example, from a Kami rear sight base to an Occam rear sight base, you're mm-hmm. not impacting 922R at all. Right. And so those parts are listed in the federal code somewhere for, for AKs. And I'm so, with the way I build, I'm so far away from 922R, I don't have to worry about it. So I, I have to brush up when I answer these questions. But the short answer is Google is your friend. Look up <laughs> AK. And, um, and not to be a jerk about it. I don't, I don't mean it that way. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, that that's it is. Google is your friend. We did an episode on it in, uh, in uh, our season one is part seven, 922R compliance, and we went into some really good detail uh, about the laws there. So that may help also. You can go back to that episode. Yeah. And this is another one of those, like, how squeaky clean do you want to be? Nobody, to my knowledge, has been prosecuted for 922R. Yeah. But like, when they catch, just like with Al Capone, most of the time when they put computer hackers away in prison, they don't get them on the thing they actually did. They get them on terms of service violations where they use like a fake name for a Facebook account, and that's what they go to jail for. So <laughs> that's the way I view 922Rs. It's a bunch of nonsense, but do I really want to get popped for it? Not really. It's not that hard to, to toe the line on. No. All right, let's see. See if there's any more worth. Did you did you see any more questions that uh, you wanted to field there? I think we've pretty much done ditter. Let's see. Oh, what ammo do you stockpile? That's a good question. Okay. I'll, um, you know, my for a, a long time I was just, and this will sound completely morbid, but every time school shooting back in the, you know, thirteen to seventeen, I would just buy one case of ammo. And by that, I wasn't panic buying. I was just, it was sort of dollar cost averaging. And that was my reminder to get ammo. Mm -hmm. um, So I built up a pretty good stash, unfortunately, with that method. Obviously, it's a tragedy uh, of cardboard box, you know, thousand round ammo cases. And the bummer is that cardboard is not a good storage vehicle for your ammo. Mm -hmm. And you can find um, spam cans of 700 rounds of 30 cal ammo for about the same price as a thousand rounds, and and that is one really easy way to go. Those things I've got ammo that's 40 years old that I've just cracked open that was in spam cans, and it's running great. Still fresh. Now it's, it's still fresh. Now it's corrosive primers that I know, but I'm I'm really not worried about that ammo being good in in 30 more years. Um, 
The other way to go is with Mylar bags and oxygen absorbers um, or desiccants. They make um, bags that'll fit in 30 cal ammo cans. Um, just getting it out of the outer cardboard is probably a good idea. Um, my big issue with that, I stored it that way for a long time, but the bullets tend to ding the plastic pretty effectively. And so that's why I figured even though I'm some, you know, paying a 30% premium for the spam can, totally worth it. And then I also don't touch it because I don't want to crack into that spam can. So it really does safeguard it from my greedy little hands when I'm out of, out of ammo and want to go to the range. Yeah. And I didn't, I don't guess I understood the, the question. I, I didn't know if they meant what caliber are you stockpiling or what? Oh Yeah. Stuff that goes bang is great, but yeah, like AK, <laughs> AK ammo. Uh, I'm stocking the stuff that I've got guns for. You know, I've got nine. Yeah. I've got seven sixty with three nine. I got five five six. I got you know. I got Grendel now. I've even got a Grendel now that I'm gonna have to start getting some ammo for. But uh, I mean, yeah, I just stock twelve gauge, uh, forty cal, just whatever I've got guns. I want to have ammo for. For that's what I'm stockpiling. Yep. If that was the question, but I think you probably. Uh, took the meaning a little bit better than what I did there. Well, no, that's a good answer too. Like, make sure you have ammo for the guns you have, and if you've got something weird like four sixteen or whatever, make sure you got a pile of that. If you've got, you know, a thirty odd six or a three oh eight or a five five six, you know, there's got to be more of that around if things get weird. But still, I mean, if you had less than two thousand rounds, I would, I would, uh, I would pause and reflect. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the thing too. I mean, even, even though, I mean, like five, five, six, you know, you think it's just going to be laying around everywhere, but still you, you got to get to it, you know? Oh yeah. You, you got to find it. <laughs> yep. Go yep. ahead, go ahead and stock up. It's cheap now too. I mean, ammo's cheap right now. Now's the time to start stocking up on ammo. Well, two weeks was the time to, two weeks ago was a good time to buy ammo, but, um, has it uh, gone up? Price has gone up. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting weird. Our uh, and toilet paper. Friend, <laughs> uh, yeah, and toilet paper. Our mutual friend James Yeager likes to say these are the good old days. And you might think it was cheap back then, but you're going to look back in a decade and wish you had stockpiled now. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a bad investment to lay away a few thousand rounds of something or other. Yeah, and like you said, looking a good a good way to store it. You know, there's there's better ways than others to store your ammo long term. Yeah, and if you live in the desert. A, you know, a cool seller is probably great, but if you're in Tennessee, like if you think cardboard is a good storage mechanism, yeah. thing going. Yeah, it's been raining here for like uh, 48 months. I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's serious, man. I, I don't know the last time it hadn't rained. It's been ridiculous. Wow. And then we just got hit with those tornadoes. Uh, right. Really wiped out a lot of people here in this area. Yeah. So good questions there, Leadheads. Larry, do you have do you have anything else? You have another question you want to? Want to ask? Yeah, if I, wrap it up? Yeah, we'll let you wrap it up for us. Sounds good. Well, first of all, again, thanks for having me on. It's been an honor. Uh, another question, I guess, for Brian. I know with your gun, you, you guys have those uh, tuned from being generally overgassed to being tuned for a suppressor. Uh, and this may also help out a Wasser guy out there. Is there anything else uh, you can divulge as far as what you guys do with your parts kits to, I guess, uh, to tune them up, make them run a little slicker, either the action of the gas system that us uh, poor boys can do. Yeah, like it's it's a little tricky to uh, go backwards. It can be done, but um, one one easy uh, one easy thing to think about gas ports is 
that the way the commies tuned those, or the not tuned, but the way they're set, um, they will work down at negative 40 Fahrenheit. And uh, the difference in gassing from negative 40 to what most people are going to be fighting in is pretty massive for how much gas you need. And the majority of the felt recoil from an AK is due to the bolt carrier being excessively run into your shoulder. And uh, that also wears the gun out faster because it's, you know, it's getting hit with the hammer every time you, you uh, pull the trigger. So if you're building on a new barrel, what I would say is start small and it won't work. And then just keep running up your drill bit sizes until you get the gassing you want and make sure that you run it and, you know, and then go probably a little further. And um, it depends where you live, what that number is, but you certainly want to check it in the coldest condition that you'd ever want to shoot in to make sure that you've got your particular prescription right. And um, the you were talking about stoning the rails and that kind of thing. Um, Brown, if you don't care about your paint, which I, uh, I would humbly submit on something like a Wasser or whatever, that Krylon will be just fine on it. Um, that going in with a brown scotch bright pad and polishing up all your rails makes a real difference. Um, and then going in with um, some sandpaper, emery cloth, and deburring everything around your trigger guard, um, that makes a big difference going through and knocking down everything that comes pre-sharpened. Um, but I'll tell you the thing that glasses out a gun more than anything is running it. And so um, by the time you've put a thousand rounds through an AK, it's going to be pretty glassed off. And so, um, between the gas and, uh, tuning the gas as I describe and running your gun, um, that those are the two big, I wouldn't call them secrets, but, but that's 80, 20 right there. They get you taken care of there, Larry. Oh yeah. Those, uh, that scotch bright, that is uh, definitely a key, especially around that trigger guard. Cause yeah, I, I think Brian, you have a video up, don't you? Cut yourself on that. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, I don't like getting cut on guns, so yeah, um, <laughs> definitely. Just yeah, don't worry. On almost any gun, if it has a sharp edge on it, I'd rather have that smoothed off than have a good paint job. Mm -hmm. And again, with that, I mean, Krylon. I mean, that's a great way to do it. And uh, if he's wanting to tinker and wants a good-looking gun, you know, a sexy gun that runs well. You know, you, now you can get, you know, your air-cured uh, Duracoat and stuff. And, I mean, that's from Brownells. You get it cheap. It's a, a fun way to do it, really personalize your gun if you don't have, you know, big money to, to go throw on something custom. Big time. And there there's ways to poor boy Cerakote that are probably for another episode. Um, but, yeah, Duracoat's a great product. Um, very, very good product. They got nothing nothing against Duracoat whatsoever. Very good. All right, great questions there, Leadheads. Great questions, Larry. Appreciate um, uh, your feedback and you taking the time to be on. Now what we want to do, guys, is uh, it's time to reward our listeners. We didn't do it last episode, so we got we got to catch up. So, Larry, listening to all the questions uh, that we read, what, uh, what do you think was probably your most favorite question, not one of yours? <laughs> uh you know, honestly, I'd have to say, uh, just because I was in that position with my Wasser 1063, mm -hmm. you know, Wasser guy, know how it is to, to be in a pinch and want to have a fighting, a, a reliable fighting rifle. And, uh, you know, some of us have to do that on a budget. So, you know, understanding where he's at and learning how to get the most out of uh, what he has is, uh, I think that's it for me. Okay. Brian, do you remember who that was who asked that question? I got to find it again. 
Um, let's see here. Yeah, it's right. It Instagram. CJ Freedom First on Instagram. Yep. There you go. There is the winner of the Occam Defense swag pack. Nice. So. CJ Freedom First. CJ Freedom First. You are the winner. So shoot me a mail, uh, a mail, an email at talkinglet at gmail.com and put uh, AK Corner Episode 6 Swag Pack winner. And uh, send me your, your details. We'll forward those over to Brian. And Brian is going to hook you up with a very awesome Occam Defense Solutions Swag Pack. So that gets us through Episode 5. Now we've still got this episode to give something away, Brian. And Century Arms is going to be giving away 500 rounds of Red Army Standard, I think it's their white box ammo, to one lucky lead head. And I hate, to ha- I hate to go through here and count all these people and assign a number. And I think what we should do, Brian, is just go ahead and let Larry be our winner since he... <laughs> hey, I'm into it. Let's do it. What do you think, Larry? You think you think you should be the winner of the ammo? Yeah, hey, I can live with that. So <laughs> okay, so so Larry, congratulations! You're the winner uh, of the ammo again. Even and you, the state you're in, you're legal to have this, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You're you're not a felon or anything like that, so you're you're good, no, sir. So just shoot shoot me your uh, info via email. I'll forward that over to our buddies over at Century Arms, which we're. You know, sick to death that they couldn't be on to join us today. There's several questions that d- directly related to them too, but we'll get them back on. We'll get those questions answered uh, for you, Leadheads. But Larry, just uh, glad you found us, man. And I mean, you you just took right off the bat uh, with your, your social media interaction and your questions, and you know that's what we look for in Leadheads. So thank you so much for just being part of the Leadhead Brigade and and taking part. Yep. Thank you, and you guys keep up the good work. This is We're halfway through Season 2 now, guys. This is Episode 6, and the reason that we did the, the listener questions was we kind of want to take a pulse and see where you guys were you know, with the information that we're getting out there, seeing maybe what we, we haven't touched on yet, maybe what we, we need to touch on a little bit more. So, Brian, uh, just you know, taking a, a quick... Uh, count here what what do you think we should probably do an episode on that uh we had the most questions on that that would benefit our leadheads mm. i know you're talking about the poor boy seracoding you know <laughs> doing yeah doing you know stuff like actually that. if if we did something some kind of video companion to that that could be really cool um there's some armoring stuff i'm trying to think of stuff that goes well over audio talking about different you know going into depth a little bit about different loadouts and and how spending a little more time i think it actually deserves an hour or something going over uh different options for loadouts and how to not over yeah how to step into that without wasting a bunch of money um we've all got the bucket of shame of all the gear that we wasted money on (laughs) that was was terrible um so yeah that could be a real good one i think it would be a good i think that would be like for this this situation this is the loadout you need for this situation this is what you should you know this Mm -hmm. is what we recommend for this yeah yeah and i think that'll answer a lot of the uh the five five six five four five seven six two nine millimeter kind of questions too so if you're going to be doing this this you know this would be this would work good 
here's the vest, here's the uh, mag holders, here's, you know, everything kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So uh, it sounded to me like we need some, some heavy hard hitters on that episode. Maybe uh, Jeff Kirkham, uh, James Yeager, uh, that other guy that you were talking about that we can't mention yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would be um, a good one. So Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, both Jeff and James have some really good real world experience uh, and are also kind of they're both kind of like my favorite gun is the one that's in my hand kind of folks. Yeah. And so um, they'll have they'll have good things to say about that. Um, and maybe I can sure. get Marco back on uh, Marco Vorbev, uh, former Spetsnaz sniper uh, Marco Vorbev. He's now a, an author. He's uh, written several books. A great historian also. Uh, he was back in part four uh, of our AK Corner Season 1, episode 267. Uh, maybe we get him back on. He uh, He's a wealth of knowledge, too. Yeah, that'd be great. Love to talk to them. If we got those three guys on, I think that would be just an interesting show in and of itself. Oh, heck yeah. All right, so we'll work on that for an upcoming episode. But in the meantime, keep your questions coming. Talkinglet.gmail.com. Put in the subject AK Corner. If you've got uh, su- suggestions, requests on guests, topics, uh, anything like that, shoot an email, let us know, and uh, we'll talk about it. So that does it for this episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner presented by Century Arms. Make sure you go and show Century Arms some love on their social media, on their website, at your local retailer. Buy their guns, buy their ammo, Red, Red Army Standard. I know that's not Century, but they're the ones that are, I guess, are they importing that? I would say. Yeah, they're the the importers. Let's say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, U.S. Palm magazines, uh, and then of course Occam Defense Solutions. Brian has been with us each and every episode in season two here, and it wouldn't be the same without you. So Brian, we really appreciate the dedication that you've put into the show, and uh, the knowledge, and bring you know the guests that you're bringing on as well. So thank you so much for that. We're looking forward to six more episodes of badassiness <laughs> well thanks for having me on it's a privilege all right and uh, go, of course go show him some love on his social media it's just occam defense uh, solutions on instagram yeah that's right and facebook occam defense solutions there yep and occam defense.com dot com baby and um make sure you go and you know other than the the you know the ak's that he's building the 1775s, you've got the dispensers. Talk about your dispensers real quick. Yeah, sure. We've got a lube um, product called Occam Lube. Gets you lube in your pocket um, anywhere you want, not where you don't. You know, <laughs> in your pocket, but not in your pocket. Um, so, yeah. Nice, it, portable, it, carry, easily applied uh, delivery mechanism that you, yep, you come up with. Yep refill it anytime you want with our DIY kits. We sell a lube, um, three kinds of lube actually, but we sell a DIY kit. We're actually um, just trying to get the dispenser out there. The the lube is high quality, but we really don't care what you use so long as you keep your gun wet. Um, That's the important thing. Um, So it works great with, you know, Slip 2000 or Geisley Go Juice or 10W30 or Bacon Grease or Skin Lotion, whatever you want. Nice. (laughs) Very cool. All right, guys, that's it for this episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. We'll be back next month with Episode 7 with more stellar information, mind-blowing guests, and kick-ass giveaways. Stay tuned.